Welcome back to the pop culture segment. Um, today we are diving into a couple of things that's happening um, around the world in pop culture. Um, Andy Cohen reveals that there is a new Real Housewives franchise coming. Um, that might be interesting. Um, Will and Jada are back at it, mostly Jada. She is, she sat down last week to have a discussion at her table with Gwyneth Paltrow because Gwyneth Paltrow has a new show on Netflix talking about sex. And, um, Wade, uh, Jada actually, um, went on to talk about her and Will's relationship some more and how they do it in the bedroom. She said that they never had a problem with their sex life in the bedroom, but she grew up in a different, you know, like a different era of relationships and her and Will's relationship was based off of you can't read each other's mind and you need to tell the person what you want, how you want it and whatnot. Now I do, I, after hearing this, I decided that I want to actually, um, sit down and maybe bring this to the, to the, um, podcast. So hopefully I can get all my notes together and you know, we guys can do what we got to do. It is November 1st, by the way, it is a Monday. Um, yesterday was Halloween. A lot of celebrities dressed up um a lot of people dressed up as celebrities also what i found interesting i don't know if you guys are aware but um the game that used to be on bet with um tasha mack malik derwin melanie that crew is back there is a new The Game, and it's coming out on Paramount Plus. And I saw it yesterday when I was watching YouTube, and it came up as an ad, and I watched the trailer for it, and I was like, what? So it is centered around Tasha Mack, and I cannot wait to see it. Um, so if you don't have Paramount Plus and you want to check it out, you can probably get it for free for a couple of days or maybe a month. I don't know. But check it out. Um, I'm interested to see how they remade this. Um, I saw Derwin in there. Derwin looked like he gained about 800 pounds, uh, maybe for the show. I'm not sure. But definitely, definitely, I can't wait to see what that's about. And maybe I can um, talk about it on the episode when I do that. Also, Jay-Z. Okay, Rockefeller, Marcy Projects, Brooklyn Stand Up. Jay-Z was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and his good friend Dave Chappelle is the one who introduced him into the um, Hall of Fame. It was good. Um, I'm proud of Jay-Z. I am proud that, um, you know, that he got that opportunity because um, lyrically, Jay-Z is one of the most um, prolific rappers of his time. Um, you know, if Biggie was around, we would have had great music from both as collaboratives. Also, I also watched a little clip, like unseen clips on the internet because I was looking up something about Tupac and Biggie and that controversy. And one of the things that um, Charlie Baltimore actually said in her interview was that Biggie was always like, I know I'm the shit. I know I'm a good rapper. I know I got it, whatever. But he never gave other people their 
flowers, but he always gave Jay-Z his flowers. He Charlie said that if anything, Biggie was like, yo, this this dude is nice. This dude's flow is nice. This dude's rap is great. So uh, congratulations to Jay-Z on getting inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Last night, as I was talking to my son and my husband about it, um, we were like, why don't they have a hip hop hall of fame? Like we're the black folks at, that's out there in the music industry. How about we get us a hip hop and R&B hall of fame so that we can actually start doing these things for ourselves? Because yes, rock and roll uses, um, you know, beats from the rap and hip hop era. So, you know, I mean, can we get something out there for that? Let's, let's hope, let's hope Jay-Z listening. Um, Alec Baldwin, that whole thing with the um, shooting, it's in still an ongoing investigation. We know that the um, investigators are not ruling out um, a conviction or, you know, charging anyone. They are actually putting that on the table. So they're going to continue to look at that. Now, the number one costume that everybody pretty much wore yesterday was from Squid Games. It was a trending topic on for Halloween. Um, so I think, you know, we all watch Squid Games and that's what happened. But, yeah. Halloween movie came out. I saw some mixed reviews. Some people said they liked it. Some people said they hated it. Um, you know, it is what it is. I'm not a Halloween movie person. I'm not a scary movie person, so I wouldn't watch it, so you wouldn't get any insight from me. I'm just going by what's in the media, in pop culture. Um, okay, rapper Fetty Wap arrested on federal drug charges in New York City. Now, he just released an album. I'm going to need Fetty Wap to sit his black ass down somewhere. Like, why are you being arrested? Why? Tell me why. Okay, enough said. Anywho, um, music and pop culture. Um, Ari Lennox um, actually put out a little album. Most of it was instrumental, but she had about a good five or six songs on there. One of my favorite songs that um, Ari Lennox has on her new album actually is... Um, Night Drive. I really love that song. That's one of my favorites. Um, then Young Miami from the City Girls, she also put out a one and a, a minute and a half uh, rap stuff um, called Rap Freaks. Now, let me just say this. I like the City Girls because they're ratchet. You know, they give ratchet music. But I'm going to be real honest with you because... There is a podcast called Horrible Decisions by Mandy B and Wheezy. And I've been listening to them for years. And they had the City Girls on. And this Horrible Decisions is a podcast about sex positive. And, you know, they talk about their sexcapades. And they try to educate on different types of sex. Polyamory, monogamy, non-monogamy, you know, BDSM, kink, all that stuff they talk about. But they're realistic. They are on now on the Black Effect Network with Charlemagne. They got things going for them. These two girls are from Orlando, Florida, but they live in New York City and they, you know, they're doing their thing. But they had the city girls on. J this was right after JT got out of jail. And JT was very vocal about, 
her sex life. Not to the point where she needs to tell the whole world, but JT actually um, shared a little bit more. So Miami now, on the other hand, sat in the chair and was very timid. And they were, you know, of course they're celebrities. So, you know, their management crew is going to be like, hey, these are the questions that you can ask. These are the questions that you can't ask. Because if you're a publicist and a good fucking publicist, that's how you're going to do it for your artists, right? You're going to make sure you secure your artists because you got to secure your own bag. Now, Miami and her lyrics don't match. Because when she sat on their couch where she had the opportunity to talk about sex in a positive way, she doesn't really come off as the sex phenom that she portrays on the internet. And then she comes out with this rap freaks about threesomes and showing her in the BDSM wear. And, and I'm sitting there like, it's a gimmick now for you because that's other people's actual lifestyle. So go ahead and check it out if you want to. She has a video on it, and she also has just the audio on it. Um, and people were going off her because she was kind of, she kind of took a play from Nicki Minaj's um, song when she came out talking about all the, the different rappers and what they could do for her sexually and all this other stuff. So, um, you know, it's it's cute and gimmicky, but it just it, it just don't give it's, if that's the case. Like, it just don't give. That's all I'm saying. But that's all I got for pop culture. Stay tuned. Let me go ahead and pay some bills. And then we're going to jump right into the episode. You know, today is Monday. So, you know, we're bringing a brand new um, Insecure um, review. So, stay tuned for that. And I'll see you guys back here in a few seconds. Welcome back to a brand new episode of She Talks Life Podcast, and this is your host, Tavon Ray. You can find me here every Mondays and Fridays with brand new episodes. Please don't forget, if you're enjoying listening to the podcast, leave a raving review, like the podcast, and subscribe. This helps the podcast to gain recognition and help push the content to a wider audience. Once again, thank you for listening. Now let's get into this week's episode. Good morning. Welcome back to uh, the Insecurity Series by yours truly. Um, This is episode two of the HBO's um, series Insecure by Issa Rae. This is the season five and final season of the show. And last night we had episode two. Now, um, I must say that, in a way, since they were going out as the last season, I was wondering um, why they never put it to an hour. Like, um, I think it's 10 episodes, but with that 10 episodes, I felt like HBO could have given our girl an hour to unpack all the mess, but um, let's hope that with all that is going on, it can like flow in a way that we want it to flow. So last night's episode was rather interesting and it was about growth. Um, Issa, after the first episode, left off with her and Lawrence and then things 
and not deciding to go on and pursue a relationship with Lawrence, Issa, the second episode, fast forward to a year later after the whole episode where we, we get to see Molly change, Molly cut her hair off. Um, and we know back in the summer, Yvonne had cut her hair off and everybody was speculating like, wow. But that actually came about in the show as well. And, you know, we, we this episode focused more on Molly, Issa, and Nathan. And it was really great to see the three characters in this um, episode because some of the bullet points that I caught on to was opportunities, roadblocks for black community to grow. Um, Issa's character is very pro-black and she wants to build a, a black community of wealth, not just those who can just afford it, but those who are talented, who are passionate, and who have the drive, I find that what Issa is trying to do here with The Block, which is her new company, is bring black artists, black creatives, who did not ever get a chance to the forefront so that people can actually open the doors for them. Um, and that was at one point in time where the, um, the white guy who... She, you know, the company she went to for funding, he literally was trying to stop her creativity, especially the artist creativity. It's kind of like whenever um, black communities want to grow and excel beyond what they have, oftentimes we hear people say, oh, that's too much. You're doing too much. Everything is too much. And Issa felt like this dude is dope. Why can't we have everything instead of cutting it down and whitewashing it and so you know you get to see that transition because a lot of times in our own backyard that's what we see you know that when we go to black neighborhoods if there is a walmart in a black neighborhood there are more freezers in that walmart the produce is very limited because it's this stigma that black folks don't eat vegetables and produce because you want to pump all the toxins into their bodies, and that's just how th that works. Um, another segue is Molly and her mother-daughter relationship. Um, I started to, to think about timelines and marriage, how we as women feel like at a certain age, we have to be at a certain point in our life. We need to be married at a certain age. We need to have children at a certain age. But in society now, in the new millennium, they're showing you that there are other alternative ways for you to grow and still get those things that that come along, like parenting, um, you know, marriage, if that's what you desire. Um, I think the with the transition with Molly that we saw in this episode and why they focus so much on Issa in the episode because it was the growth for both of them. Molly actually called and apologized to her mom for being very vocal about her life and what she should be doing in her life because, you know, of course, Molly's out of a relationship, one that she thought was going to progress, and now she has to put herself back out there. But before she can do that, 
She has to be vulnerable with herself. And in order to be vulnerable with yourself, you have to have the hard questions. And you also have to reflect on the parts that you play in your life and in the relationships that you have cultivated. Because Molly sat down and she started rehashing everything that has happened with her as she was trying to fill out her dating um, app, her notes for her apps. Like, who are you? What do you bring to the table? That kind of thing. And then she starts to reflect like, oh God, like that old Molly was rough. Like she had a lot of growing to do. And then when we saw her apologize to her mom, we were like, oh wow, I am so proud of Molly because you know, Molly has a tough skin. The character has a tough skin. And most women who are like Molly or who identify like Molly are never going to want to lose that control of power in themselves. They don't want others to see that they don't, that they're hurting on the inside and that they're, they need the things that, they need marriage, they want love, they want careers, they want the timelines, they want the babies, they want it all, but they don't need to show it as much. And I think as we saw Molly progress there, that was great. We also saw the platonic relationship between Molly and Issa rebirth. You know, they had a setback in season four and Molly was feeling her ass. And, you know, I've been there with some people where they felt like, you know, you took too much from them or I took too, they took too much from me. Like, I know the feeling of Molly and I also know the feeling of Issa because we all have a Issa and a Molly in our self and so just seeing that platonic friendship grow and rekindle was very powerful because one of the things is is that um you have to always understand that there are going to be people that are going to come into your life and they they do come for seasons some of them may stick around for forever my best friend and i we met through a mutual friend that i knew from since childhood that I'm no longer friends with. And it's so funny because I've known her since I was 11. And it took me all the way to maybe my, maybe 28, 29 to realize that this was not my friend. After allowing her to move into my apartment because she was having difficulties in her life. And at the time I wasn't working, my partner was footing all the bills and she walked in the door and acted like, there was no need to respect my space. And then on top of that, she was going behind my back and talking about what's going on in my house. And I felt like, what kind of friend are you? Because I came to your place when I needed some place to stay. And I, I never really cared about what happened in your house. I was there to just do me and go on about my business. And you came and I extended the courtesy because you did it for me when I needed it. And so now here you are and you're disrespecting my household. And when I come to you about it, you get offended. And those are people that when people, when you come and tell a person that they hurt you or that you they doing stuff wrong that's not sitting well with you and they take it the wrong way, like if you trying to diss them or, you know, be mad, rude to them or whatever, that ain't your friend. Because friends understand that they could hear criticism, they could hear 
like harsh realities and they could be okay. You'd be mad for a moment because I'll get mad for a second or two, but I will know that, you know what? My friend is right. She was really trying to look out for me. And so when that friendship ended, I knew right there and then, like I was so proud of myself. You guys do not have a clue how proud of I was. The day she moved out, I literally called her on the phone and said to her, you and I, we done. I walked away because I set boundaries. I didn't understand before, but today now, looking back, being through in therapy and all that stuff, I set boundaries with that relationship. I was like, you know what? I don't need this relationship. This this relationship has exhausted me. Now, the, the my best friend who I met through her, I'm going to fight for that relationship. I, I know for a fact that I'm going to fight for that relationship because from the day one till now, 13 years later, that is the person who has held me down, who has inspired me, who has helped listen to my growth, who I came to and said, girl, I am falling apart and I want to move and I don't know what I'm doing. That's the person who said to me, go ahead and do what you got to do for your own sanity and was there the whole fucking way. So I see the relationship with Molly and Issa and how the cast made sure, the, the um, director made sure to rebuild that bond. Because a lot of times we cut people off so quickly that we don't grow naturally. And Molly and Issa had a relationship that was like, yes, it had stumbling blocks, but it was so important to fight for because they both wanted to fight for that friendship. Because they knew how much each other felt you know, meant to each other. Like Molly knew that Issa was her rock and vice versa. Like when, you know, when you got that best friend and something happens, that's the first person you got to go talk to about it because that person relates and is there to support and help. And you do the same thing for the person when they come to you with their dreams and aspirations. And that's what true friendship has always been to me. It's like both of each other accepting each other's faults trying not to change each other, to mold them into something that they're not, just knowing that they're who they are and you gotta love them for who they are and that's it. But you still set boundaries where you don't outlandishly do something stupid, excuse me, do something stupid as far as like ridicule them or talk behind their backs or not be supportive. That's not friendship. And I think I love the fact that they showed them too in this um, episode because now we get to see that yeah Issa and Molly didn't fall apart because I like I said before I think there's a growth in Molly that we're gonna see that we don't expect to see in this season and I think that's what I would love to see like even if that's not what Issa is trying to do I would love to see that <clears throat> when the show ends that everyone is in the place where they need to be in our eyes if that makes sense now, the eight, the Nathan and Issa reopening doors, that was never really closed. Um, we all love Nathan. We When Nathan came on the scene, <clears throat> um, we like Daniel, too, because, you know, there got some girls out there who, who like the thug, who like the thug-looking guy and think that he was going to be perfect for Issa. <clears throat> but Nathan, um, I believe, the reason why Nathan continues to stay in this um, series is... One, they opened up the door for mental health disabilities. Um, he's bipolar. He found out he's bipolar. Um, 
how do bipolar people, <coughs> you know, um, oh, excuse me. How do bipolar people navigate life after they find out their diagnosis, like relationships, friendships? And Issa really needed a friend after Lawrence. And so her connecting with Nathan and still having a friendship with him, I think was it was great because think of it this way. She didn't have to be there for Nathan anymore. Nathan ghosted her and she didn't even know why. But when Nathan came back around and she, you know, made sure to address that issue up front and found out he was bipolar, it changed her um, perspective that, you know what, a lot of times people go through things and you don't really know how to deal with it. So you got to let people deal with their, their emotions the way they know how to. But you can't always take it to heart that it's about you because sometimes it's not about you. And that's the reason why I like to see Nathan and Issa together, the vibe that they have, especially, you know, him bigging her up about her her new business, her new business ventures, and the things that, um, you know, she's willing to do for her community. I think that's really great. Um, the only thing, though, that I think that, is at fault here is we start to see some unprocessed feelings pushed aside from Issa and Lawrence so that she could excel in other areas of her career. And we do it all the time. We try to excel in other areas of our life when we're avoiding to deal with the harsh reality that is in front of us. Lawrence and Issa was not in a relationship anymore, but however, he got a woman pregnant when they were separated. And then <clears throat> he and her tried to rekindle without him knowing about a child in the picture. And so it was a hard pill for her to swallow. So having her new venture was kind of like a, a break from the reality of I need to deal with my emotions that is tied to this situation. And we see that, you know, Daniel and Isaac almost um, connected sexually but Issa broke down because she wasn't ready to move on from those unrepressed feelings that she had with Lawrence and this whole baby situation. And at times, you know, having pain from a romance that ended and almost rekindled, how do you move on without fear? How do you, that's my question for, the, for this week. How do you move on without fear because if you it's a year later and you're still feeling some kind of way about the Lawrence situation and you haven't moved on or you're not trying to progress and start something new yes you do have some unrepressed feelings inside of you that you have to work out and you can't bring that baggage to the table a lot of us we jump from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, because we we build this pattern because we are, one, afraid to be alone. Two, we are afraid to face the harsh reality of the hurt that took place within us. And if we look at that person in the mirror and be like, oh my God, I, I really am so hurt by the fact that this man had another baby that this man had a baby while we were separated and I didn't get to be that woman to give him a child after so many years of being in a relationship with him. Like, you know, you start to doubt yourself. You start to question yourself and who you are as a woman and who you are, your identity. But you do have to face those 
issues. You cannot repress them. If you repress them, they're only going to follow you as you change relationships. Something's going to follow until it breaks the cycle down and then you realize you're alone because you didn't deal with the baggage that you had before. Don't pack the suitcase and bring it to his door if all he is is a replacement. Don't do that. Um, you know, I think about this too because um, I started reading um, Gabrielle Union's second book. Um, <clears throat> And it's called You Got Anything Stronger. And her first book was really great. Um, I loved it. And this book, she talked about the miscarriages. Um, she talked about things that, you know, changed within her relationship. She talked about her and um, Dwayne Wade separate him and then him having a child. She talked about her own reality of that. She talked about the fear also about the hurt because most of the times we don't want to address the hurt because we are so afraid to address the hurt and Gabrielle you know she, they were broken up and he had a baby outside of their relationship but they got back together but she still felt that hurt she still felt that pain that that came about it because here was a woman who was trying to get pregnant and have her own children and had miscarriages after miscarriages after miscarriages to the point where she lost count until she went to one person that said she had a a, um, a medical condition that was stopping her from, you know, having these babies. So, you know, when you think of it, it's like, yeah, they go through the hurt when something happens, even though you weren't together, because I know a lot of people are going to be like, well, Issa and, and Lawrence weren't together when Condola got pregnant. Yeah, but when you rekindle or try to rekindle something and that comes up on top of it, because now you got to remember, you're fighting the battle of what happened prior to the breakup. That's still in the, the picture, because you guys have to work through your problems of, what needs to connect and what doesn't need to connect. And then on to add on top of that issue, a woman saying she's having your baby, that's a lot for someone to, to um, deal with. So in this episode, growth, I think we got to see some things that really um, showcased a lot, especially with Molly and Issa's relationship, Molly and her mother's relationship, you know, her mom is trying to find a man for her. Like, I, I swear, Molly's mother is like every other woman that's out there thinking, oh, my kid needs to have this. My kid needs to be married. Because by the time we, this age, we ain't going to have grandkids. We can't be ready to play with them. You know, it's, it's funny when you see that still happening today because I'm like, most of the time, in this new millennium, not everyone wants to be a parent. Not everyone wants to get pregnant and have a child. Not everyone wants to be married. And if you do want those things, that should be done on your time frame, not someone else's time frame for you. So I hope you guys um, enjoy today's episode and I will catch you later. Peace out. Mwah. Okay, that wraps up this um, Monday's episode. I hope that you guys gained some insight from this episode. Um, I can't wait to see you back here. We will be back on Friday. 
um, for a brand new episode of the She Talks Life podcast. Don't forget to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review um, for the podcast so that the podcast can reach a wider audience. And check the show notes for any links and articles that um, may be related to the show. Also, my socials, if you want to follow me on any social media platform, that will also be in the show notes. So don't forget to check that out. And I will see you. This is your girl, Tavon Ray, and this is She Talks Life podcast. Bye, guys.